Hey, Real Talk podcast listeners, Justin Trudeau's Liberal cabinet is in Montreal trying to figure out how to gain back the ground they've lost to Pierre Poliev. Alberta NDP supporters are taking a closer look than ever before. They're up and comers with Rachel Notley's resignation official. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis takes a hint from the people of Iowa and bows to kiss Trump's ring. Let's go. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. All right, so this is week one of the race to replace Rachel Notley. The race, I guess, to replace Donald Trump, a pretty significant change in a way on the Republican side of the ledger and the federal liberals. Are they floundering? Is that the fair word to use? These are the three, at least the three things that we're going to hit on with Charles Adler coming up in just a second. You know, he joins us here on Real Talk, the first episode of every week. Plus, we're going to be diving into the Real Talk mailbag, Johnny. There's a few emails that we received uh, over the past couple of weeks to talk at RyanJesperson.com that I have been keeping from you. Oh, you got some baggers. Yeah, I, mean, I, wanted to, I wanted to ensure that you did not see them so we could get, we could get your reaction <laughs> to this feedback oh, live, live on camera feel good stuff okay. emails that i thought we'd save for a monday Great. so they, they didn't they didn't crack friday's episode you know the, the flamethrower presented by the dqs of northwest edmonton yeah. and Sherwood park that's where people that are pissed off can say what they need to say <laughs> these are the people whose hearts are full okay the people who are seeing the silver lining so that's coming up on this monday uh episode of real talk which wouldn't be happening quite frankly with our friends at rello who want to remind you that if you're watching everybody else head off to their jobs build their careers and love doing it and you just well you just quite frankly you, you can't relate it might be time to head back to school for a new career you can do that get started in real estate with rello's affordable online courses that make it super easy for you to pass your exam and get your real estate license so then you're on your way setting your own hours you're your own boss of course unlimited earning potential and you'll be helping people every single day as they buy and sell their homes now why rello well the best part is how committed they are to your success including live instruction that host prep sessions for your exam every Saturday. Plus, they've got a lot of resources after graduation. You've passed the exam, you've gotten licensed, Rello's still there for you. And right now, for real talkers, an awesome promotion. Knock 20% off the price of any Rello course using the code REALTALK. That's all one word, REALTALK. When you get started at Rello, that's R-E-L-O dot C-A. Charles Adler is an Emmy award-winning talk radio legend, and we're thrilled to have him join us as we kick off every week here on Real Talk. How you holding up, my man? Have a decent weekend? Uh, not, not, not terrible. Uh, not bad at all. As a matter of fact, uh, probably a better weekend that the Liberals had than that uh, retreat you were referring to, or at least you were referring to the the headline: "Are they uh, floundering?" And when you're retreating, is all about surviving. Yeah, they they definitely feel that they're floundering. There's more that out uh, this morning from someone that you talked to. Uh, regularly, uh, Mr. Fournier, the, one of the, the person who, one of the, I guess, best people in the country, Philip Fournier, uh, for aggregating the various polls that are out there. And he's now saying that uh, liberals have gone soft right in the belly of the beast, meaning right in the Toronto area. Even uh, places like Mississauga, which have uh, been voting liberal for a very long time, uh, big battleground, but generally the liberals win the battle. Even Mississauga is uh, softening up. My, my guess is at the moment, the less exposure Pierre Polyev has, uh, the less people hear him doing all the stuff that works very well for his base, the less visible he is 
the better it is for the conservative movement at the moment. Yeah, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement of the leader. If you suggest that the the, the less you see of him, the better the party's going to get. You can you can only maintain that for so long, though. I mean, uh, you know, we'll be talking about the American election coming up in just a little bit. That's that's sooner yeah. than the next time Canadians will vote federally or provincially, for that matter. So, if, you know, if you're if you're taking a look at the conservative strategy right now, what is it? Just build base, build base, build base. A bit, build base and uh, basically don't don't uh, don't step on uh, you know the, the the largest message in the land and the largest message in the land is that the largest political message is that people are tiring of Trudeau so don't get in the way of that by making them exhausted with you Pierre Polyev was uh, exhausting people uh, just a, a few months ago uh, social media message after message I know that some people love the idea of him you know bullying some amateur in an orchard eating his apple and denying reality. I mean, a lot of people who are part of the conservative base, they, they love seeing that, but that doesn't necessarily play well in the, in the Mississaugas and the, in the real uh, battleground. So I'm not saying that Pierre Polyev won't, you know, come out of the rabbit hole uh, from time to time, but at the moment they're playing it low key. And I think low key is working for them. Yes. At some point there's a real campaign and you can't play low key anymore. You're absolutely right about that. But at the moment they are trying to get inevitability on the score sheet. And if they can crack 905, they have inevitability. That's a very, very big opponent to any incumbent. You remember back in 2015 when when Justin Trudeau was hoping uh, to knock off Stephen Harper, and, and just because all I'm doing is paying attention to to sports and playoffs right now, I'll say that sure. I'll say the the Liberals heading into that election were the third seed, not even the second. Yeah. And right. you remember that Justin Trudeau, at least this is my memory of it, owned the narrative on the middle class. He was talking about the middle class the entire time, the entire campaign. And now it mm-hmm. feels like Pierre Polyev's kind of stolen that from him. It feels like if Justin Trudeau starts talking about the middle class again, he's going to have to remind people that they were on his radar nine years ago. Go. Well, at, at the moment, Justin Trudeau is uh, talking about sealing up all of the various minorities that are part of the liberal coalition. So he's uh, still talking about making sure that LGBT people have uh, protection. He's still uh, talking about how abortion, uh, you know, that women have to have access to abortion. Uh, n- none of that is, is about the middle class. And all of it is really old news for a lot of people who are in the middle class. But you're, you make the the best point in the country right now, if, if, if Justin Trudeau is no longer uh, the savior for the middle class, the protector and defender of the middle class, then Justin Trudeau cannot ever be what he was a number of years ago. It's one thing to say that, you know, the, the, the apple isn't, uh, you know, the, the, the apple is far from the tree and uh, it's rotting and it's decaying and, you know, whatever, whatever cartoons you want to come up with to, to write a column with or to make a point. All of that is interesting. You know, his, his, his best buy date is, is, is past, blah, 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 blah. But the most important point is the one you're making. If you're no longer identifying with the middle class, if that's not who you're championing, not, not who you're championing, if you're not fighting for the middle class, you're SOL. You're somewhat out of luck. You, you can't somewhat. You can't, uh, as, as a government, you, you, you can't uh, immediately and completely effectively slow inflation and drop interest rates, but you also can't say that. You can't say, well, what do you want us to do? It's not our, you, you got to do something, <laughs> no, no, and they better do something because yeah. that's probably their biggest problem right now. Well, I mean, that's why at this retreat, you know, they brought in experts to talk to them about the middle class. 
But that the reason they're doing that is because they are aware there are people inside the party who are aware they're losing touch with the middle class. And so they're trying to find a way, even though they can't change the interest rates unilaterally, they can't change inflation unilaterally. No government uh, c- can do that just, just like that. Uh, they can find ways of talking about it and sound like they're empathetic with it. They can't just say that other people, meaning the conservatives, are taking advantage of your fears. That's, that's okay for a pundit to say. You, say. you can say it, I can say it. But that's not what a leader says. A leader cannot be a pundit. A leader has to lead. And that means inspiring. And you cannot inspire people unless they feel that you care about them. Chuck, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I, there, I just this comment caught my attention in our live chat. Uh, Jason says, "I'll be stunned if Trudeau doesn't connect how the middle class of Alberta is struggling under a conservative government." It's an interesting point. Uh, I don't know that Justin Trudeau's ever really wanted to kind of like shine a light on Alberta in a negative way, uh, or have Alberta or Alberta conservative come across as a pejorative in any sense. Could, could, could you see him doing that? And also, is it is it? Wow, gosh, am I about to step in one right now by saying this? But uh, <laughs> is the middle class in Alberta struggling more than like the the lower income earner in Alberta? It seems like the 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 issues mirror the issues across the country. You look at what's really happening: the affordability crisis, uh, of course, the the housing availability crisis, the opioid crisis. Uh, there are you know people out of work, but that's not limited to just Alberta. I don't know if there's one thing, respectfully to Jason, that you could point at and say this is because of Danielle Smith. I mean, unless it's sort of a niche issue, maybe somebody working in solar farm construction, you could, but not generally speaking, I don't think. Justin Trudeau can't pick on provincial conservative parties because Justin Trudeau leads the national government. I don't want to get into an argument with people like Preston Manning. Or does he? No, it's sorry. You know, it's it's not, it's not the national government. It's a federal government and we're a federation. I I don't want, I don't want to get into those policy weeds. The point is it's all about perceptions. And I I deal with perceptions because perceptions are where the votes live. So the perception is that Justin Trudeau leads this great big national government. And the perception is the national government is so much larger than the junior partners, the, the provincial government. So for the, for the big guy, uh, you know, I too am into sports all the time, just as you are. And uh, for, for Connor McDavid uh, to point fingers at someone on the fourth line, you know, I realize right now nobody's pointing fingers at any of the lines because uh, the Edmonton Oilers have just actually beaten the Montreal Canadiens for games in a row. But just you know, hang with me on this one. <laughs> you you can't you can't be the big guy on the team and start blaming the little guys for the problems that the big guy is perceived to be responsible for. Justin Trudeau can't lay this off on Doug Ford or Danielle Smith or anyone else. Justin Trudeau has to be Captain Canada. I love this from Chris in the chat says, wait, what? We have a middle class? And then he wraps that up with an LOL. We never know when people are going to listen to these episodes, so we'll point out the timing of this. We're talking uh, a couple of days after the Edmonton Oilers won their 13th straight. They're the first Canadian team to ever do it. This surprised me. We'll get back to politics in a second. The 19th team to do it in NHL history, but a Canadian team had never done it before, which is really, really interesting uh, to see. They're you know four or five games away from setting the all-time record. Tying it would be uh, 17 in a row, I think, off the top of my head, but it's a big one. Also, over the weekend, the Edmonton Oilers signing 
Corey Perry, who many people will remember, saw a very unusual circumstance. His contract terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks for what they called unacceptable conduct. Nobody really knows what happened there. The Oilers haven't been afraid to bring in uh, a perceived troublemaker to the room before. They, 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 they brought in Evander okay. Kane. Yeah, yeah. Were you, I there think, are days, I think where, the, there are I days think the, when I, I just I just lose it. I just you know I uh, you know I, I just uh, I, I can't stand seeing some of the things that Evander Kane does. But uh, you know, pound for pound, there are few people in the world with more talent, natural yeah. innate talent than Evander Kane. And and I think I think I think Connor McDavid is is the guy who stood up for him. I, I think without Connor McDavid. Uh, without his uh, blessing, his influence, whatever you want to call it, I don't think Evander Kane would be in an Oilers uniform. I agree. Right now. Do you remember? No, nobody could convince me that Evander Kane isn't a, a great big positive for for the Oilers. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, Johnny. When Johnny, yeah. you and I were both still working for the team. You remember they yeah. brought in Zach Cassian, yeah. of course. And uh, at that it's... time, he was like fresh off a of DUI, and he yeah. had a lot of issues. And he see Edmonton. He kind of found an opportunity to get back on track. And and good for them if they come over. It's kind of like an island of misfits fit toys the uh, Oilers lately but like there were some things with Kane even though he wasn't charged with anything that were you know some of that stuff that from eyewitness accounts in the bars and stuff alleged abuse of women yeah grabbing people by the neck fighting bouncers but I mean anyone can turn around get help and change I believe that but it is weird that the Oilers always pick up these guys right when they're in the shit end of their but you, but you look at Corey Perry and like my thing with Perry is that uh, I know it's not a sports show but but Corey Perry he's a he's a Stanley Cup champion he's an Art Ross trophy winner so he's, he's been the league's top scorer that, now that was a, like a thousand years ago uh, but he's been to several Stanley Cup finals he knows how to win he knows how to be a pro um, he's he's gonna cost them like 300 grand they can healthy scratch him mm-hmm. I just see I want to go on the record and say it do um, it I see Corey Perry scoring a big goal wow. this playoff run. I think it's going to be a significant one. I don't know if it's going to be a series win. I don't know what, Chuck, but I see Corey Perry making a difference for Edmonton. Ryan, uh, at the risk of the people thinking I'm not as good a human being as they hoped I was, <laughs> here's the deal, okay? Hockey, hockey's a blood sport, okay? Hockey's a, a different animal. And I have always believed that a hockey team that is smart enough, smart enough to hire, recruit, Bad boys with something to prove is a whip-smart hockey team. Okay. I the, the one thing I don't like is that we still don't know. May, and maybe hockey insiders what do. Maybe, did. Yeah. So, I mean, they must, but somebody on the inside must know. You'd never sign a guy unless you know exactly what happened. And, and I'm sure the insiders, even though Elliot Friedman doesn't know yet, I'm sure a he G- says he does. I'm sure a GM and another GM, when they talk about this, they know what's been done. But when it does come out, who knows if if we think it's it's bad enough or or wasn't. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks with the Kyle Beach situation, you know, they have to be sort of people are expecting them to be even more proactive than the average team um, on addressing issues of misconduct within the organization. So you never know. The point is, here he is in Edmonton. And and so we move forward. Let's bring this back to politics. James says you want to take a look at Alberta and how not everything's thriving under current government, uh, conservative government in Alberta. James says we've got the the, the worst insurance rates. Uh, We've got the worst electricity rates. Uh, He says and on and on. He says we are the model of a free market run amok. That's an interesting point that James makes. Um, You could look to previous premiers as well. And and, and it's true, Chuck. Nobody's seen 
uh, skyrocketing utility rates more than Albertans have. Insurance rates are out of control. There are some issues here. There's no doubt about that. It kind of begs the question on what's the next Alberta NDP leader going to do and what's that winning strategy going to be for whoever replaces Rachel Notley. Hang tight, Chuck. 30 seconds. Uh, Charles Adler coming up. But first, Rachel Notley, as you know, last week uh, resigning uh, or saying that she will resign as leader of Alberta's NDP upon the culmination of that leadership race. She'll step aside. She's not gone quite yet. And and here's a a tiny little bit of what she had to say and how she said it. We approved and built the Calgary Cancer Centre, a decision that was at least a decade overdue. We stood up for the rights of working people, improving their access to unions, increasing their time off, protecting their safety in the workplace. And we were the first jurisdiction in North America to raise the minimum wage to $15 per hour, making a real difference in the life of Alberta's working poor and tens of thousands of young families. We secured Alberta's first pipeline to Tidewater in over 50 years, ensuring that the return to Albertans for the sale of the resources we all own is permanently increased. We eliminated coal-fired electricity in Alberta, thereby increasing the health of countless citizens and at the same time kick-starting our renewable energy industry to be the fastest growing on the continent, all while significantly reducing our emissions in one fell swoop. And finally, in the midst of a recession caused by the international collapse in the price of oil, seriously folks, I didn't cause that, we cut child poverty in half. But as I said, we didn't get it all right. And Albertans told us so in April of 2019. So that was Rachel Notley uh, as she said goodbye, essentially. Uh, her swan song as leader of Alberta's NDP. How did it resonate with you? Look, uh, I put everything right in the shop window for you. I've uh, voted uh, conservative for almost every year of my my adult life, uh, so I don't want to pretend that, that that I haven't voted that way. But I endorsed uh, Rachel Notley on uh, New Year's Eve, just a few months before the um, the April vote, this most recent April vote, and I endorsed her because I think she's got character. I think her leadership character is far better than the alternative, of course, the alternative one. And I think that I was a sucker for the Notley brand uh, when I was at the University of uh, Calgary back in the 70s. Uh, I admired Grant uh, Notley. I admire uh, the Notley brand, which to me is really, really hard work. I'm a sucker for people who, who work their asses off. And I'm a sucker for people who understand something about democracy, whether it's democracy in Canada the United States, Britain, or anywhere else. The only way to have democracy survive and thrive is to not have chaos. Rachel Notley is not about the chaos. And that's not what the Notley brand is all about. And yes, it is about having a conscience. It is about having a moral conscience, a personal conscience, and yes, a social conscience. And yes, I'm one of these small C conservatives who believes that the best way for us to have a social safety net the best way for us to have the best hospitals and, yes, the lowest possible utility rates and all of that is for us to have a thriving private sector. And that private sector is thriving because small businesses are thriving. I have never sucked up to large corporations who want to form oligopolies to make sure that your insurance rates and your utility rates are high. And I believe that if the NDP, which is essentially becoming in in Alberta a coalition of all parties who are center and center left, if they focus like a laser on making sure that small business has the best possible opportunity in Alberta, I think the NDP has a chance. 
And I think Rachel Notley has laid the groundwork for that. It's it's going to be like and we've talked about this quite a bit on the show uh, last week and people can check out our panels. And, and it was really neat to get Mark McQuake Boyd in the house, former energy minister. talking. You know, she's known Rachel since she was 12, um, talking, telling the story of what it was like to be invited into her cabinet. Uh, Leah Ward joins us as well, her former senior advisor. Uh, and Erica Brutis gave us kind of the conservative perspective on it. You know, and uh, of course, Erica would like to see the leadership race as an absolute disaster, obviously. Uh, you know, but but you've, you've, you've got some people. None of them have declared yet, of course. And that'll happen in, in weeks and months to come. But but a, a real opportunity for the party, as leadership races do, just look at what Pierre Polyev did for the federal conservatives uh, to infuse fundraising and interest and membership sales and like put a new stamp on the party and breathe some life into the party. You also, though, run a risk. Um, probably is that the federal NDs did with Jack Layton after the fact, uh, you know, of, of when a, when the personality is almost I mean, I, Rachel wouldn't want me to say this, but like almost bigger than the brand uh, when, when when the person is the brand and has been the brand for like 10 years. Uh, leadership race is kind of an interesting scenario and it's, it's an interesting situation and, and you wonder do they do they build membership and build fundraising as a result of this or do some people that were kind of like the so-called notly crew maybe drop off a little bit to a party that they see as moving in a different direction not as left as they'd want it to be or as it once was the, the party can't move to the left uh, the, the, the party has to stay as close to the center as possible and I'll and I'll say it I don't care if it's Sounds like an absolute, sounds like a commandment. They need someone from Calgary. Nah. And they need someone who's not and they need someone who's not connected to the union movement. With all due respect, uh, you know, I, I come from blue collar roots, and uh, you know, if it hadn't been for the ladies' garment workers union, we would have starved. Hmm. So I get no kicks out of saying what I've just said. The person has to be from Calgary, and the person can't be directly connected to the union movement, because I know what it's like to work for the other side. If you're from the Edmonton area and you're part of the union movement, I can whack you all day long. I'm not saying that Danielle Smith's particularly good at it. I don't think she's good at it. I don't think some of her colleagues are that good at it, but they're good enough to get that done. And by the way, uh, I know that Parker plays, uh, you know, behaves himself on your show. But Parker just posted this piece about the superiority of white culture. Um, what? Is, is that not something that we need to talk about? Where I mean, is it on Twitter? Is, I'll call it up as we speak. Yeah, it's on, it's it's on Twitter, and uh, and it was uh, retweeted uh, last night by by a number of people. Uh, how proud he is of of white culture. I mean, there's nothing as a white person, as a Caucasian. Okay, there's nothing that nails me, that upsets me more than this, this ridiculous concept of white superiority or white supremacy. White superiority is an oxymoron. The idea that ca Caucasians are, are superior to Asians is nonsense. That's proven every single day. Right in your own backyard, Ryan, right there. How do you, how do you look an Asian in the eye and say, I, Ryan Jesperson, a Caucasian, am superior to you? It's nonsense. It's an oxymoron. And the people touting this the most, pushing this the most, are the ones who prove every single day that it's an oxymoron. I don't. I yeah. Okay. I we're doing this. I, people know we record this live, and so I don't. I don't see. I don't know if he deleted it or it what. Was re, it was re, retweeted last night by our okay. friend Nate. All right. Okay. 
Nate, Nate the paramedic. Oh, Nate the paramedic. Okay, the Nate guy, the paramedic. Nate the paramedic, the guy behind the breakdown who does a really great exactly. job. He, yeah, he, he deserves he credit there. This okay, well, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, somebody send it to me. I'll take a look, and, and obviously we'll follow up. Um, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, David Parker. I mean, yeah, he came on the show. He behaved himself. I, I you know, the the, the one thing uh, I've, I've told you that you know with, with Parker is is you never know. Like the the whole thing about you know he he comes on the show. I think we did a fair interview. Um, I probably should have, and I've said this to you before, I've said this to you before. The one question I should have asked him that I didn't ask him is, is, is why are you behaving yourself? Uh, that was probably the obvious question that everybody was wondering because he came across as relative, relatively reasonable. Uh, but then well, after the said, fact, I've said, I've said a thousand times about the David Parkers of the world. Okay. That just because they're selling crazy doesn't mean they're stupid. I'm never going to call David Parker a stupid person. But it, it's this this business of the superiority and supremacy of white culture is out of line. Now, am I expecting that uh, Danielle Smith will someday call him on that? Of course not. I mean, how can she? She's going to be on stage with Tucker Carlson, and Tucker Carlson sells that product. He sells it more effectively than David Parker. But that's what Tucker Carlson sells all day long, the idea that the white culture is superior. And a lot of people love him for that. And I'm not saying that Danielle Smith loves him for that. Daniel Smith probably just wants to be on the same stage with him because he's a, a conservative rock star. But there's no way that Daniel Smith would have any cred nailing David Parker for his, his white supremacy piece when she's going to be taking the stage with Tucker Carlson. Okay, so I, Johnny's found the tweet. Is this the tweet from December 16th? White no, no, I just threw one out. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's just, just another tweet. Another, about, yeah. Okay, just so cause... December 16th. What did he tweet December 16th? White people are awesome and I love being white. Yes. Okay, all right. I mean, sure, man. Yeah, I, I something. I, have we already spent too much time talking about David Parker on this morning? I don't know. Probably. I mean, I, you know, people, Probably. you know, other people said to me when we had the interview, uh, you know, oh, you're platforming him, you're platforming him. And I sit there going, he, he's got the platform, dude. Uh, I think more people probably need to know what this guy's all about. And, and what does he say on the show right away? He says, we're coming for school boards. I said, that's probably a pretty valuable perspective check for people to have. But people getting upset about it, the platforming and the platforming. Uh, just we, lose, we've heard. Just lose the battle for a school board in Westlock. Uh, yeah, well, Westlock's been an interesting case study the entire time. Uh, town council getting to the point where they're, they've got to vote on uh, pride painted crosswalks, and there's kind of an interesting angle to that story. And, and Westlock, uh, I think a lot of the elected officials and the citizens of Westlock deserve a lot of credit uh, for keeping that place, you know pointed in the right direction despite some serious adversity uh it's a, it's a relatively small community for people that don't know northwest of edmonton wonderful people in westlock for the most part uh as you would say about anywhere and uh yeah uh but uh yeah i haven't i haven't seen the latest, latest parker stuff um he, he certainly came for this show i don't know if you saw uh but he, he sort of dragged his wife into this <laughs> did you see this charles his wife hosts a show and uh he, he started talking about how, how her show is more important than yeah. ours and we're a niche sure. market and this and the other and he set it up johnny and i had a quick chat about our show there. yeah 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 and, yeah and he sits there and, and he starts talking about how real talks like a niche liberal yeah, nobody yeah. audience sure. kind of thing yeah that's why but i'm he, here because but he's I'm setting, a niche liberal. but he's but he's <laughs> setting me up to like i'm the guy's like picking a fight on his wife's behalf with me well i don't want to yeah. fight with parker's wife i don't have any beef with parker's wife i feel sorry for her but i don't have a beef with her so <laughs> Anyway, so he he apparently, but I appreciate him making time for our niche liberal talk show, which is great. Just like the prime minister and all the premiers do, and the CEOs as well. The, the, the everybody making time for there the niche no, liberal talk show. A, pardon me, I don't you know I don't want to lather up the host here, but I just need to say something. You never know who's tuning in when. 
There is no mainstream Alberta talk show. Mainstream, down the middle, normal, than real talk with Ryan Jesperson. Thank you. I appreciate that, Chuck. Uh, why don't we turn our attention in just a second to what's happening stateside? Because I want to this. This ties back to Trudeau as well, and to Poliev and everybody else. If Donald Trump is the next president again, uh, then there are complications and there are major ramifications for whoever will be Canada's prime minister for the for the sure. duration of Trump's term um, and, and a bit of a shakeup in the race. Everybody knows at this point DeSantis is out, but it's the way that he went out and what he said that's grabbing some people's attention. That's coming up in just a quick second. First, I wanted to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is happening with the support of Athabasca University because they want you to know that they've got world-class accredited online degrees and courses designed so you can complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you. Your only commute is to your device. It's never been more convenient to get that undergrad degree, maybe an MBA. Maybe you just want to level up and take a micro course on something like AI or human resources or whatever the field is that you're interested in. We encourage you to select your path after taking a couple seconds to examine the advantages of Athabasca University. You can find them online today at AthabascaU.ca. That's where you'll see the AU advantage. Our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you that everything we saw this summer, the floods, the wildfires, nobody's been talking about climate change more than this past summer, right? We still see ramifications of that, and we know that things will continue to change including the field of landscape design. The team at Eden Landscaping has been leveling up their knowledge year after year after year to ensure that their clients are getting the most up-to-date, most modern, most informed design principles. And that includes how water is being used. It includes some of the plants that you're putting in. It includes the physical design as well as the concepts behind it. The team at Eden is great listeners, and we recommend you work with them by starting with a visit to landscapeedmonton.ca. Check out their portfolio. You can get started with a quick note on the website. And our friends at Friesen Brothers, we're talking about affordability. We're talking about how Canadians are trying to stretch dollars more than ever before. Friesen Brothers, they're looking out for you on at least a couple of fronts. They've got seniors discount days, uh, different days of the week at the different locations, 16 of them across Alberta. So check out their website for more details. That's Friesen.com. Plus, the first of every month, 15% off all purchases over $75. That goes a long way. And then don't forget, under the flyer link, they've got that family essentials flyer that we love. You can view it online or find it in store. Friesen Brothers always focused on family. It's why they give you recipe ideas, videos on how to prepare them, plus that smart shopper savings program that you can find. Sign up to get it emailed to you every single week. That's Friesen Brothers, family grown, Alberta grown, and Alberta owned. I found the uh, David Parker tweet. Just give me one second. Here. All right, let's take a look at it. I want to see it. We have talked enough about David Parker, but I want to see this tweet because I haven't seen it. And we don't get to do this often live. Yeah, we, we, right? we, we haven't talked enough about David Parker's wife. <laughs> oh, you feel sorry for I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm not looking to pick a fight with Parker's wife. He obviously wants me to pick a fight with her, but I don't think I want to do it. So we're going to get you don't that. Be, you, I know you don't want to be Corey Perry. You don't want to be Evander Kane. But sometimes you you got to mix it up. 
especially when the I'll game's mix, on the line. I'll mix it up. Yeah, I mean, if I feel like it's worth my time. Uh, but you know what they also say, you know, about rolling around and wrestling with pigs, Chuck. You know, yeah. you end yeah, up the doing pig, it. The pig gets off. And, yeah, and the pig gets so off the, and you wind up covered in shit. The tweet reads, yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's posting a poster from the States, which uh, talks about white culture. And he says, after reading this poster, I've determined that whiteness is awesome. I see. And basically it gives a bunch of reasons. Okay, uh, like what are some of the reasons? Like uh, Protestant work on... ethic, emphasis on scientific method, rugged individualism. Uh, and then there's a bunch of bullet points under each one. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, I'm, uh, never mind. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never met a rugged so individualist that wasn't white. Like, jeez. <laughs> and, and, and. And, and only, only whites are into science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no. A- everything that's about to come out of my mouth right now is just not worth it. So let's look right. stateside. We my, can okay, say, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an apology. It caught my. It caught my eye. I'm it glad you my brought it up. Eye last night, and I brought it to the dance. I'm glad you brought it to the dance. I'm glad Johnny tracked it down, and, and now we're all leveled up on understanding yet another reason why uh, you know. I get, and here's the thing, though, I was about to say why the guy should not be taken seriously. That's not true, uh, because we don't bring people on this talk show that should not be taken seriously. Unless I'm talking to a comedian, he should be taken deadly seriously. If, it's, I, if I didn't think he was an influencer, yeah, and if I didn't think he was a massive influencer with UCP, I would never mention him. Yeah, he's not just some. Crackpot who might have called my talk show and the producer might have told him Chuck's just getting real tired of it. he's not not into crackpots. They, he's not one of those guys. He no. actually has influence no matter what we say about him and no matter what he, we're, we talk about his posts. He, he has influence. So, yes. We have to take him seriously. Last time you and I spoke, it was uh, the Iowa caucuses. And uh, I think I would say we called it because everybody knew what was going to happen. It was all but a Trump sweep, uh, you know, DeSantis with with kind of like a little blip, a little a little glimmer of hope, but not really at all. And uh, after a few days to think about it, uh, Ron DeSantis releases this over the weekend. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. So that is uh, Ron DeSantis saying he's out and endorsing Donald Trump. Over to you, Charles. His, his problem, I guess, with Donald Trump was that Donald Trump took the coronavirus too seriously and elevated Dr. Fauci. So Ron DeSantis is a white guy. If David Parker or Mrs. Parker is listening, David, 
I need you to know that Ron DeSantis is a white guy who is against the scientific method. Yeah, there you go. Well, and also, I don't think a lot of people know this because it wasn't widely reported, but I appreciate the Twitter account T-Pain USA uh, for releasing this information. Charles, I don't even know if you knew this, uh, but Ron DeSantis actually had to travel out of state to abort his campaign. <laughs> so Ron DeSantis uh, wanted to say that he, he didn't want to, his donors, uh, you know, to be uh, disappointed. Well, the point is the donations ran out. After Ron DeSantis campaigned in 99, all 99 Iowa counties and lost every single one of them to Donald Trump. And after it was obvious by his own internal polls that Ron DeSantis was going to finish in single digits at best. He might have had trouble getting even five points in New Hampshire. So if you lose Iowa and you lose New Hampshire, you're not going into South Carolina with momentum. You're going to get absolutely creamed. You're going to get toasted in South Carolina. So where is Ron DeSantis in his life? He's uh, trying to survive, okay? Just like the liberals are on a retreat. We're on a retreat this weekend because it was about survival. Ron DeSantis retreated, got out of the race with Donald Trump because he wants to survive. And even though he has disparaged uh, over the last few months people, Republicans who kiss Donald Trump's ring, he is now kissing the ring. Why? Because he, he's, he's timed out. Okay, uh, he, he can't he can't run anymore as Florida governor. They've got term limits over there. So he's got two two avenues to go down. One would be to run for the Senate in Florida. Obviously, he'd run as a Republican. He gets absolutely creamed if Donald Trump doesn't endorse him. So he needs to kiss the ring to get the endorsement from Donald Trump. Regardless of whether or not Donald Trump uh, wins the presidency, Donald Trump is still going to be the top Republican dog for a long time. So Ron DeSantis needs Donald Trump's endorsement uh, to survive as a politician, uh, to run for the Senate, and possibly Ron DeSantis wants to be in Donald Trump's cabinet, possibly as a Secretary of Defense, or maybe a Secretary of Health. But the point is, Donald Trump is being kissed by DeSantis right now so that DeSantis can survive. And whether or not uh, Trump appreciates him or throws him overboard, who knows? Uh, the idea that uh, that uh, you can count on, on Donald Trump's uh, support uh, for even five minutes is is absurd. But Ron DeSantis is now a very, very desperate man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's wild to see. It's always I mean, and I understand kind of how politics work as, as much as you can if you've never been in it. But, you know, you've got to, we, we joked about this the last week uh, talking about any leadership race for any party that, that it's it's amazing to watch because you, you, you get people talking about why the other candidates are so completely lousy. Uh, and then one of the candidates wins and then everybody talks about how great that candidate is because they try to win favor back. It's, it's always an interesting exercise. Right. But uh, I want to give uh, credit to New York magazine here. Uh, this was uh, updated in June of this year uh, by Margaret Hartman. It's Donald Trump's nasty Ron DeSantis nicknames ranked. Uh, nobody's been more mean to Ron DeSantis than Donald Trump. Right. So you got meatball Ron. Uh, you got disaster. I thought Ron Disaster was pretty good. Uh, he calls him Rob, Rob DeSantis. Uh, he called him Tiny D, which uh, no guy wants to be called Tiny D. Uh, Ron De-establishment, shut down Ron, uh, a reference to the restrictions the governor put in place at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Ron Dishonest, DeSoros, a uh, reference, of course, to George Soros. Ron DeSanctimonious, which might be my personal favorite. And then Ron DeSanctus, uh, 
maybe uh, as she writes, because Ron DeSanctimonious was getting too long to type. So that's his <laughs> top 10 DeSantis insults ranked by New York Magazine. It's and, not and exactly been a... He likes, he likes people in high heels, but not so much with Ron DeSantis. Uh, Ron DeSantis wears lifts. I think he... It's three and three inches, whatever, because I think he's he's five seven or five eight, and he wants to be a six footer. And of course, uh, Donald Trump, who will always tell you that he's six two and a half or six three, uh, will always uh, be happy to uh, call Ron DeSantis tiny and make fun of what he calls him. The healthiest Ayles. man alive. And, and, and all that, all that stuff, alive. all that stuff works big time uh, with uh, with the so called base. Uh, they they love to hear Donald Trump uh, taking shots at his his opponents, and and the idea that. After being called all those names, Ron DeSantis is now kissing up to Donald Trump. People go, what's that about? But listen, uh, Ron, uh, Ted Cruz took much more incoming from Donald Trump than that. I mean, at least Donald Trump never accused Ron DeSantis' father of killing John F. Kennedy, which is what Ted Cruz got. And then Ted Cruz's wife also got uh, you know, a lot of heat from, from Donald Trump, called her ugly. And after after calling his father a murderer and calling his wife ugly, Ted Cruz kissed Donald Trump's ring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had forgotten about that one. And that's there's so much material to work with and so much to remember. (laughs) Like if any other, you know, major like like a, a global celebrity, like a world leader, if any other major individual like that had ever made a single comment like that, you would remember yeah. it for years. Yeah. Uh, but with Trump, it's just like, you know, it, it's kind of part of the strategy, I think, is just keep it going. Keep the toilet running, you know. <laughs> people, people, listen, it guarantees him what we're doing right now. It guarantees him that we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that people sometimes, especially in our own business, have a hard time understanding that when guys like you and me are disparaging somebody, there are a whole lot of guys who go, I want to support the guys that Chuck and Ryan don't support. It's just the way of the world. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, Danielle Smith, Premier of Alberta, will appear on stage twice uh, with Tucker Carlson. Uh, at a yeah. lunch down in Calgary and then in Edmonton at a, at a, at a marquee evening event at Rogers Place. Uh, we talked about it on January 16th. If people want to check out that episode, I thought it was an excellent conversation with Matthew Hayes, uh, a journalism instructor, and Peter McCaffrey, uh, founder of the Alberta Institute. Hayes arguing, hell no, she should not. Uh, Peter doing his best to argue, yes, she should. Uh, I suspect that the premier's advisors don't think it's the greatest idea, uh, but you and I and most people understand why she's doing it. Well, what are your thoughts on Danielle Smith hobnobbing with Tucker Carlson? I think uh, Danielle Smith uh, sees herself as a star, a star of the right wing. I think Danielle Smith wants to be taken seriously by the Tucker Carlson's of the world, the, the, the American right wing, as a... Uh, one of them as a as a rising right wing rock star in the right wing movement, the MAGA movement, as some people call it. And I think that's uh, that that's what Danielle Smith's motivation is. I don't think that she's doing this to get votes in Al- Alberta. I think she wants to ingratiate herself uh, to the right. And I think it'll be a, a love in. And I think uh, Tucker Carlson will treat uh, Danielle Smith as if, uh, you know, she's uh, the Canadian version of Victor Orban. It wouldn't surprise me for 
to see Tucker Carlson uh, saying that he hopes that Danielle Smith will be the Prime Minister of Canada someday. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they touch on. I think obviously they'll talk oil and gas. I think that uh, so-called trans issues will come up. I think people can probably expect at some point the Alberta government to do something about that. Uh, New Brunswick has under Premier Higgs. Saskatchewan has under Premier Mo. You can't expect Alberta to stay out of that fray. And for that matter, to not maybe take it a step further. Uh, you know, I, I think Alberta probably will make a statement on that in the next, I don't know, weeks or months. So I would expect that would come up. Tucker Carlson, you know, I don't know if he's promised to play nice or not or the terms under which the premier's office agreed for her to do this. He has the opportunity and, and, and he had, there's the potential there for him to put her in a really tough spot. Right. Like you've got Brett Wilson up on stage there who's talked about hanging Justin Trudeau for treason. Um, you'll have Con Conrad Black up on stage who will come across as probably the most reasonable of the group. Uh, and then you got Rex Murphy's that's going to be there, too. So it's, it's kind of like it, it'll be a very it's, it's going to be very, very friendly territory for Alberta's premier. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the, I, I would say that she'll probably have to tread carefully because, you know, one or two sentences in the wrong direction on that stage. And she creates a real problem for her, herself that lasts way longer than the end of that show. Do you honestly think that Danielle Smith is opposed to being talked about in a, in a controversial way? No. I mean, do you honestly think that when she comes out of this right-wing Woodstock, which is what it is, uh, which will have a lot of people watching, not just in Alberta, but all over the country and maybe some in the United States as well, uh, do you honestly think that Danielle Smith won't look at it, regardless of what kinds of uh, quotes or comments or clips uh, end up on, on, on blogs and a newscast for a while, you, do you honestly think that Danielle Smith doesn't see this as having a net, net positive for her as a right-wing worldwide celebrity? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and because you're talking about global and worldwide, you're right. I mean, if you were, if, but, but if you look at the comments that's gotten her in most trouble to this point, um, they're all comments about things like science and medicine and health yep. and like, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you, you get, you know, Tucker Carlson, who we, we were playing some of his clips uh, during our January 16th episode. People can check it out. I recommend you do. It was a really great show. And and uh, I mean, stuff where he's talking about, I mean, the, the conspiracy theories behind covid vaccines and things like are just bonkers. Well, he and, too, he's, a, he's another white guy that uh, doesn't practice a scientific method. I mean, uh, that, and, and, there's and, at least and two he, of them on made, planet. He made Earth. a lot of yeah. money on that. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Made $20 million annually or whatever it is. And Danielle Smith is not opposed to living in, in, in an alternate, alternate universe. And by hitching her wagon to Tucker Carlson's star, she hitches it to Elon Musk's star. Don't be surprised if after this right-wing uh, Woodstock taking place in Alberta, where Danielle Smith will be seen as a, a star, don't be surprised if Elon Musk says rather positive things about uh, Danielle Smith. That's, that's, that, that's, that's not going to feel like a wounding experience for her. Yeah, I, I remember. I don't know if Elon ever replied to her. I'm checking this on the fly, but I, I remember she uh, she she had reached out to him um, about uh, Starlink, talking about how how Alberta had uh, you know obviously high speed internet, reliable high speed internet is still 
uh, evading many people in uh, rural Alberta. And the premier had tweeted something at Elon Musk, like, hey, at, you know, hey, Elon, we might need to partner with you on Starlink or something like that. And, and obviously kind of, I think, fishing for a response. And I don't know if she got it or not. I don't think so. I'm sure that there would have been, you know, real buzz if he had reached out to the premier. But yeah, I mean, I get it. Listen, I, like, I, I get why she's doing it. Like, obviously, Tucker Carlson, would, would you agree he's the, he's the biggest... He's the biggest name and right-wing commentary in the world, like isn't he? I mean, he's top three anyway. Uh, he is, and he, he is, and most important, he's partnered with Elon Musk. Say whatever you want about Elon Musk. Say whatever you want about what uh, you know damage he may have done uh, to Twitter. Elon Musk is the world's richest human being. Elon Musk is uh, a, a great friend of the right. Um, partnered with Tucker Carlson, I really see uh, Daniel Smith is seeing as uh, seeing this is a, a no lose. And uh, the ego of Danielle Smith is bigger than Alberta. And so if she gets into a little bit of uh, trouble for a couple of news cycles in Alberta, small price to pay. Yeah, here's that Here's that tweet, by the way, Johnny. June 27th yeah. uh, says, uh, she says, hey, Elon Musk, I'm running to be premier of Alberta. We still value free speech here. Could Alberta set up an independent ISP using Starlink to bypass the new Justin Trudeau internet censorship law. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately uh, for the premier, uh, while it saw a lot of likes and a lot of retweets, uh, no response from Elon Musk. I can't believe a powerful woman like Danielle Smith isn't bothered by the misogyny comments by Tucker Carlson. I can't, we, we still have that clip. We never played. If you want to, you want to go to it, why don't we fire it? And he just, I mean, it's it's pretty sexist. It'll what speak you're for itself. For him. Here it is. You, you know, in my brief experience, you know, what gets women going is arguing with them. Really? Yeah. I did not, Brad. I never use it. It's true. You debate politics with a woman and just go, you know, just full blown out there, especially feminism. If you're talking to a feminist and she's giving you, a, you know, well, you know, men really need to be more sensitive, and this, you know, actually, men don't need to be more sensitive. You just need to be quiet and kind of do what you're told and lighten up a little bit. Bitch. They love it. That was uh, Tucker Carlson years ago uh, uh, on the air with Bubba the Love Sponge, uh, a popular, <laughs> a popular shock jock with an audience You're in the millions. You're taking back to a previous life, yeah. Bubba the Love Sponge, and, and we'll the, credit the best uh, in the business. Media yeah. Matters has done some good reporting on that. And Tucker Carlson yeah. to this day has refused to apologize for those. It gets worse, by the way. There's lots of C bombs in there, and he starts talking yeah. about people's daughters, and we cut that part out. But to, yeah. to let you know, that's not as bad as it gets. I mean, Danielle Smith is going to do what she always does about that. If people challenge her about how, you know, you're on stage with a person who has uh, said a number of things, uh, you know, she'll say uh, she's she's open-minded. Uh, she is open to all people. And just because he has said a number of things doesn't mean that she supports those things. That's that. She can whack that right out of the park. That's that's easy money for Danielle Smith. One hundred percent. People had asked about ticket sales. Looks like there's. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's. I, I'm surprised. Uh, Tucker Carlson or TC Events. That's his event company. Had booked. Here we are, just doing a big ad for them. Um, but they had booked. Uh, Chuck, I can't remember the venue. Did you hear Johnny and Edmonton? It was like a, it was like a thousand seat or fifteen hundred mm -hmm. seat venue, and then I guess it sold out in like a second. So then they then they just went straight to Rogers Place, and uh, so now obviously selling that venue out is a, is a big deal. Uh, even with the curtains and the stage and everything, I, I, I've heard that sellouts for most rock bands are in the 14,000 range. Um, so, you know, he's still got lots of tickets available. But then again, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to sell 10,000, that's still a lot. Looks like the tickets in the in the seats are about 168 bucks, bucks a pop. And if you want to sit on the floor, they're they're 278, 299, 300 bucks. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it seems everything's 300 bucks now, though. You want to go to a concert, it's 300 bucks. Crazy. But uh, there you have it. He'll make a pretty penny coming up here, that's for sure.
he'll he'll make money uh, it'll be a it'll be seen as a, a big event and i just don't see it as anything but uh, a net positive for danielle smith's number one quest and that is to be a worldwide right-wing political superstar sharon's got some good advice for us here she says never get into a pissing match with a skunk uh pretty good uh although i don't think it's technically piss that stinks with skunks but i'll take your point sharon and Tony also had a great remark in the live chat this morning on YouTube. She says the best tweet that she's seen about Ron DeSantis is that he should be forced to carry his campaign to term, which I think is very good as well. Charles Adler joins us. The first episode By the of way, every week. You were right. You were right about a lot of things in the last uh, couple of uh, shows. And one of the things you were most right about is Ron DeSantis started going downhill in the imagination of human beings when he took on Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. That was a Mickey Mouse thing to do for a guy who wants to be commander-in-chief and president of the free world. That was a very dumb move, and that is where people went, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, I mean, number one, you're picking a fight with Disney, one of the most beloved, respected, and prosperous brands in the world, and also they're the biggest employer in Florida. So, like, on two fronts. Number one, the sort of, like, you know, uh, the sort of like playing on people's emotions. And then on the other front, just as a business move in the business of politics, stupid as well. So uh, we'll see. They're the ones who gave my generation old yeller. And I know we're, we're, we're plumb out of time here, but someday maybe you'll run a clip of old yeller. We're never and, out of time uh, that, to talk about old yeller. Johnny, did you grow up watching old yeller? Or are you a little too young? <laughs> no, I remember old yeller and I remember the Andy Griffith show and all those, uh, those are the, I'd watch those if I wasn't watching, uh, you know, kids street or, or, or other shows at lunchtime. But, uh, yeah, here you go. I managed you got to the old yeller. Got <laughs> For those of you watching on YouTube, if you know me, you know that old Yeller is never too far away. Uh, I'm feeling it right now. The the the, uh, the emotions of my youth coming back as I'm uh, watching this video of the beloved pop. One of the most one of the most messed up Ryan, endings of any movie I've ever seen. But I digress. There, there was a time, Ryan. I don't want to get into the context for this, but there was a time when uh, my dad commanded me not to cry. Okay, we'll talk hmm. about that some other day. But I was allowed to cry during Old Yeller. There you go. I like it. To give you an idea, I grew up in a family where my parents wanted to reiterate to us the value of every dollar all the time. And in a day and age where you still had to pay not just to rent the movie, but to rent the VCR as well, we still campaigned heavily to rent Old Yeller again and again and again. Walt Disney gave us Old Yeller. Ron DeSantis was stupid enough to try to step on Disney. And when he stepped in it, he shit the bed. <laughs> Nobody can match Charles Adler. That's why we bring it back every single week. Much love to you, pal. We'll talk to you again soon. I love you. I love Johnny. And I love Albertans even more than Danielle Smith. Oh, wow. Well, you don't have to stack them up. Good to see you, pal. We'll see you again in a week. That's Charles Adler. Yeah. You can follow him online at, at Charles Adler on Twitter. And, of course, subscribe to the Charles Adler podcast. There you go. Always a time with talk radio legend did you did you like are you super familiar with old yeller like, I, I i just remember do you remember the story arc yeah of course yeah and then he dies and uh, am i giving it away spoiler <laughs> alert old yeller you, dies I, I don't think you have to give because <laughs> what year did that come out i don't think you have to give spoiler alerts but uh old yeller imdb that film came out 1957 so wow 
There you go. Uh, I I see it. Yeah, I like made a mistake. I was talking about power. Lassie that I would watch during during lunch hour sometimes because Old Yeller was a movie. Lassie was the show. Yeah, you that, come uh, you come would... you come back from lunch with just a tear stained <laughs> yeah. face and swollen red eyes every day. What happened? Yeah. Uh, I was watching Old Yeller again because there was a there was a channel that would play all like the Littlest Hobo, Andy Griffith show, all these old Leave It to Beaver, and I would sometimes switch on there if. If the other shows weren't weren't getting me by with my craft dinner at lunch, there you go. I love it. Uh, we're gonna get someone. Someone's gonna email in about Old Yeller. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> how about this from from Dexter Martin, who says Old Yeller was the first movie we ever watched when we moved to Canada. How wow. great is that? Sharon says I still remember the song for Old. Isn't that? Old Yeller. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I'll save you all from it. Don't worry. Uh, Leslie says she bawled her eyes out when she read the book as a kid and then saw the movie. Hmm. Uh, she, yeah, still cries over it, says others. Um, Greg says, you guys are talking about when Disney uh, was good and proper entertainment with good moral values. Uh, he says, I'm with Ron over Disney. Disney is too morally corrupt. I don't know. I think maybe because they uh, they've been putting started, out some good content lately. They started I don't reflecting know. real society. They started oh reflecting gosh. real people and real stories. Women and minorities, uh, get out of here! Not everybody's happy about it. It's, uh, you can feel the way you feel. You don't have to spend your money on, on going to Disneyland. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you're a politician. Does it make sense to pick a fight with Disney? And uh, let me say that if it plays well, then the answer might be yes. But chances are when you're t- it's like it's like picking a fight with Apple. It's like picking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like pick some of the biggest yeah. brands in the world. And, and yeah. then, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't it even interesting to see what happened with with uh, DeSantis's uh, resignation here. I mean, when you talk about the world's biggest brands, Budweiser's up there. There's no doubt Budweiser has surrendered market share. In the past, oh, but they're back. Since I mean, they're Dylan the... Mulvaney thing. But check this out. Uh, uh, tweets Ari Drennan. Uh, it's been 295 days, uh, coming up on a year, uh, since Bud Light sent Dylan Mulvaney, that's uh, that uh, influencer, that uh, trans woman, the, the influencer. Uh, they sent Dylan Mulvaney one single can with her face on it, prompting Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to announce an investigation into the company. Mm-hmm. And DeSantis just ended his once promising presidential campaign. Quoting a Budweiser ad. Uh, in fact, he, on January 21st, a couple of days ago, uh, tweeted, success is not, uh, yesterday I should say, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Uh, citing Winston Churchill, in fact, it's from a Budweiser ad back in 1938. Wow. Uh, so DeSantis quoting Budweiser on his way out from the... Uh, Republican race for the presidential nomination. Kind but, of fun. But Bud Light doing okay. I mean, now the official beer just from UFC 297, the official beer of the UFC, the most middle-aged white male charged sport on television. So I think they're I think they're doing okay. You know the brand will bounce back. But yeah. it, it had been reported that they lost 11% of market share for, mm-hmm. for a, you know months and months and months. You're yeah, talking a, billions of dollars. But we're watching football the last three, four, five days. Everyone's drinking Bud Light. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Well, some people do, some don't. The brands will bounce back. Big mm. brands, for the most part. Always bounce back. Uh, I want to get to some emails here. We got some amazing ones and uh, we're going to follow up on a story we told you about last week. Uh, remember when Sarah Bisbee joined us, their family of six, they live in the suburbs. They gave up their cars for good. Since then, they've logged 10,000 
kilometers on their bikes, on their electric bikes, and, and wind and sleet and snow and you name it. Uh, really remarkable stuff. What prompted an email from Kareen and David, which was really great. Plus, we got an email from Ken, who's a new Real Talk patron. But first, we wanted to remind you that this episode is happening with the support of Complete Care Restoration. They're the ones that built our studio. And, well, they hope you never have to call them. Uh, you know, they're in property restoration. They don't want to hear about a fire, a flood. They hope everybody's doing great. But the fact of the matter is this cold snap we've seen a while ago is wreaking uh, real. I mean, it's just creating some real problems. We're seeing people's pipes frozen. Drains are frozen. You got some flooding. You got a mess. Don't leave it. And don't try to do it yourself. The black mold is a real concern. The team at Complete Care Restoration has certified professionals. You can learn more about them and book their services by checking out their website online. That's CompleteCareRestoration.ca. Sarah Bisbee joins us uh, a week ago today. That was on January 15th. Uh, she had reached out to us and told us, she said she figured that our stories and our coverage and our interviews about affordability were ignoring transportation. And by the time I got three, four sentences into her email, I was like, she's completely right. And the email was a little too long to read on the show. I said, well, why don't you just come join us and tell us your story? Uh, she's a professional. She's a lawyer. She lives in the suburbs. They got four kids. And uh, she said, you know, they weren't the only ones. Uh, they're friends. People told them when they went to sell their minivan, when they went to sell their cars, go 100% car free. People thought they were a little bit nuts. It seems absolutely wild. I recognize that. Um, I thought it was absolutely wild before we started doing it, uh, but it's not as difficult as it seems. And one of one of the key things that people, I think, miss is we look at bikes quite often as a toy. They're they're a form of recreation, but they can be a serious form of transportation. It's really been a life enhancing experience for us. I get energized by being out and riding, and people. We'll say I'm crazy, but if you're familiar with the idea of a runner's high, when you go out and run, you can get that endorphin rush. Well, when I'm out biking, you get that same endorphin rush. And at, you know, minus 35, that endorphin rush comes much faster. I love that. Uh, if that was on our uh, January 15th episode, if you want to check it out, if you're flirting with the idea of a car-free lifestyle, really neat stuff. And we ask her, I think, all the questions. Um so it prompts this email from Corrine, who writes in Corrine and David and says, we absolutely loved that interview with Sarah. Says, uh, says Corrine, I was a road cyclist for years. My husband would never ride with me because he could never keep up on those couples rides. That a girl, Corrine, love that. She says in 2019, we decided to purchase e-bikes so that we could actually ride together. She says, well, then what do you do when you have a dog that travels with you? Well, then, of course, you buy a cart. Says we now spend our summers biking. Our holidays consist of traveling to places that have biking infrastructure. We spend days exploring and cycling. And she says, of course, it's got to include places with water access because we've got a water dog. Uh, goes on to say, I look for every opportunity to use my e-bike. Um, it's one of the best investments we've ever made for errands, groceries, or even going for like a 20 to 40 kilometer pleasure ride. Check this out here's her husband david on his bike with their beloved pup in the cart i absolutely love that says uh, we've worn out three sets of tires on the cart already and just this fall we actually had to replace the entire cart we're using it so much kareen says while we do live in a more rural area vehicles are still required but i applaud sarah and her family as i would love to be an all-season rider if it was logistically possible there are so many advantages i love that from kareen who sent that email into talk at ryanjesperson.com now, I do have a bit, 
of a gut punch update. And I want to show you this on my screen, Johnny. So let me pop over here for a second. This 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 was a bit of a gut punch to see this just days after Sarah talks to us. Did you see what happened to her? She tweets from her account, Mommy yeah, Pedals. It's horrible. Yeah, she says to the assholes who decided to trash my bike's cover and rip out my bench seat. Uh, check out this video. She says, I hope you enjoyed your wanton destruction. Thankfully, she says, I carry extra winter gear with me so my kids, my kids didn't freeze on the way home. But that cover is their key protection against wind. Uh, she goes on to say the bench is held in by four long bolts. Whoever did this did it right under a surveillance camera. She says, yeah, I guess I'll report it, but it's not going to matter because the value of the property damage is too low to investigate. It messes up our life. She says the cover's not repairable. The metal poles are busted and the plastic is trashed. That from Sarah. So I just that that just kind of like I felt the timing of that was weird as well after she had come on in advocacy. Yeah, I'm hoping it wasn't because I mean, I doubt it. Somebody saw a clip or something and, you know, I doubt that's what happened. But this is just some of the stuff you see in not just Alberta. I don't want to paint Albertans as as these rednecks who go around and bust up Teslas and and destroy e-bikes. It happened. I see it in Toronto. I see it on the East Coast. I see it everywhere. And it's kind of like uh, I think this stuff has been happening for years to all sorts of people. But it was just it was really sad to see because I she turned she turned me into a believer because I'm someone who would like I said would love to bike to work. She sent me an amazing email after the show. Oh, did she? Because I said I couldn't get from the south side. Uh, downtown to where we are here at Mercer, you know, just across from Rogers Place. And she sent, you know, a very detailed email. Here's exactly how to do it because I thought she wanted only you way, to do it. The only way you could do it is go by Gateway or, or another way. She gave me an exact route to get to work. So I'm going to try it when it gets warmer. But this is just it's just horrible. A bit of a kick in the teeth. We, we could have saved that for uh, the flamethrower presented yeah. by DQ coming up on Friday. But I wanted to get to the, the good news story. Also, this one from Ken. And this just filled our bucket. And then we're going to get to positive reflection. So this is just a couple of things to launch you out feeling good on your Monday. We get this email from Ken. Uh, he says, Jespo, uh, Johnny, I listen to Real Talk most weekdays, and I have been since uh, midway through your first year. Some mornings I miss the show, but I end up listening later in the day or in the following days because life is busy. Ken, we sure appreciate that. You know, Real Talkers, we appreciate every single minute that you give us of your val- valuable time. Ken says, your show, Real Talk, is the reason I canceled my subscription to Sirius satellite radio which i had long before it was even available in canada he says i signed up in 2004 he says we all have a finite amount of time in our days and a finite budget for discretionary spending and it took me a while to come around to the notion of paying for something that i can get for free he says i've always supported your sponsors he says i switched to park power back in the day he says i've started buying my groceries at Friesen brothers he says the satsuma oranges kick ass by the way he says thanks for mentioning those johnny and i how many satsuma oranges did we eat in december uh, he says i also support your guests and their causes i subscribe to edify and alberta views magazine uh, i i made a i make a monthly contribution to mark charrington amazing remember mark was with us a few weeks ago talking about his advocacy he says his segment on real talk really moved me as many of your shows do i've also purchased your limited run, uh, Woody Creek Bourbon and Broken Barrel Bourbon in, in 21 and 2022. He says, like I said, it is hard to justify spending money on something you can get for free, but I'm always happy to support local artists, content, or products, uh, whether it's any of the ones I mentioned. So why not financially support the one program I listen to consistently? It makes good sense. Can we so appreciate that? He says, now, our, our, as a patron, he says, it may, it may not guarantee me a lot. I'm, I'm going to touch on that in a second. He says, but with so much of our local content,
content being generated from a Toronto corporate office these days, it is in all of our best interest to ensure local voices are heard and supported. Plus, decent whiskey is an added bonus. He says, thanks for all that you and your team does. I look forward to more quality content for many years to come. That from Ken. Absolutely love it, Ken. So with our with our Real Talk uh, patrons, and you can check it out, but you go to ryanjesperson.com and the Connect link, and then you go down to Patreon, click on that, and that's where you can sign up. Uh, it's a way for you to, to support the show on a monthly basis, and we've let you know our patrons have allowed us to level up our lighting in here. We're going to be uh, actually replacing our microphones in short order. That's going to be courtesy and thanks to our patrons as well. So it's better product. Uh, but we also like to make things available to you that kind of take you behind the scenes, that give you opportunities to experience things you may not otherwise. So our patrons, uh, 10 of them were drawn at random, 10 golden tickets to attend our Real Talk election night VIP viewing party, kind of the who's who of Alberta provincial politics here in our studio back in May uh, for that provincial election. Uh, we send out tokens of our thanks, like limited run Real Talk socks, uh, which you can't buy on our website. Those were only for our patrons and another way of us saying thank you to you plus other events through the year you're first in line to sign up for all of our events including the golf classic as well and thanks to everybody that over the weekend sold out our real talk pond hockey classic Here it's coming up again. on saturday february 3rd <laughs> we're so excited about that 24 teams all in support of uncles and aunts at large and kids sport st albert it's going to be an amazing day at larry alexiak field in st albert again that is sold out and so thank you to everybody that contributed if you're still looking to get on as a sponsor or a volunteer we do have those uh, roles available and you can go to the events link on our website ryanjesperson.com our hearts are full when we get emails from people like ken and we sure appreciate your support every week the first episode of every week our friends at kubi renewable energy give us a chance to take a second to guarantee that we're going to spend some time typically on a monday focusing on the positive the positive reflections that is presented by our friends at Kubi, a chance to essentially get rid of that negativity, right? Harness positive energy and renew our faith in humanity. And we absolutely love this email from Shalane, who writes in and, and gives greetings from L.A., not Los Angeles, and not those of you in Lethbridge either. She's in Leduc, Alberta. She says, real talk holds. You're going to love where this goes. Immense meaning and importance in my life. She says, your episodes resonate with me on a deep level, offering insights, perspectives, and valuable information that have significantly enriched my understanding of various subjects. She says, Ryan's engaging discussions and thoughtful content have become a source of inspiration, making real talk an integral part of my daily routine. Uh, there's a twist coming. She says, it's not just a source of entertainment, but a meaningful companion that contributes positively to my personal growth and well-being amazing right she goes i can't lie to you guys um i learned about chat gpt from real talk and johnny she says yes. and I, I just asked it to write me a meaningful paragraph about how important this podcast is to me <laughs> and that's what it gave me she says i just burst out laughing when i was reading this amazing. she says so even though i didn't write those words it says everything i would want to say to real talk personalities on screen and personalities and staff behind the scenes i also would have never known about chat gpt without real talk says shalane which made me smile she says and lastly i swear this is from me not from chat gpt she says i wanted to thank you all for the beautiful real talk toque shalane's a patron she was at our 
VIP uh, Christmas Zoom party. We do a holiday Zoom party every year. It's exclusive for our patrons. We give away a bunch of prizes and say thank you. She says that I, I wanted on your special holiday episode and I wanted to thank you. I was the second person to answer a trivia question correctly, but Ryan still gave me one and a few of us a prize. She says, you have no idea how much that meant to me. Over the holidays, I made sure everybody I talked to knows how important and amazing the Real Talk podcast is. She says, I thank you for making it this far in the email. Sorry for a long one, but thanks again for everything. And to steal a line from ChatGPT, because I can't say it better, Real Talk, not just a source of information and entertainment, but a meaningful companion that contributes positively to my personal growth and well-being. She says, I've been a faithful patron since the beginning. That from Shalane. That made my week, man. Little known fact, this entire show is produced by AI. I'm just a pretty face Johnny's not even real. This is is all (laughs) All we're doing is reading chat GPT scripts, and pretty soon we'll just be animated versions of ourselves. In all seriousness, you can send us an email anytime, a positive reflection, a flamethrower, or just a comment on a guest you've heard on the show by reaching out to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Positive Reflections is presented weekly by Kubi Renewable Energy. You can get a free solar quote today by visiting kubienergy.ca. Thanks so much for everything you do to keep this show going. We promise we'll be here weekday in, weekday out with talk on news, politics, and pop culture that really matters. See you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Harry Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Randy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola. Catherine O'Neill and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Metis settlements and the Metis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 